Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. Judge approves reopening of St. Croix's Lime Tree Bay auction as Jamaican-based firm offers $30 million in upfront cash. Tobago voted in historic elections on Monday. U.S. religious group says Haitian gang releases three hostages. Caribbean Development Bank holds Caribbean Conference on Corruption. Puerto Plata Summit will examine regional migration problems and NASA selects 10 astronaut candidates from thousands, one from Puerto Rico. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Tuesday, December 7th. We start our report today in the U.S. Virgin Islands. The Virgin Islands Consortium reports that Judge David Jones, the chief bankruptcy judge for the Southern District in Houston, Texas, has ordered the auction for the Lime Tree Bay Refinery on St. Croix to be reopened to allow West Indies Petroleum, which on Friday signal its intention to be part of the bidding process with an offering of $30 million to participate. Lime Tree Bay on Monday filed a motion for the auction to be reopened. Lime Tree Bay attorney Elizabeth Green explained to the judge that West Indies Petroleum, a Jamaican-based firm which specializes in bunker services and oil storage, was originally part of the auction, but its chief executive had fallen ill and needed emergency attention in the days before the auction was set to take place, and that prevented the company from proceeding at the time. West Indies Petroleum's $30 million cash upfront offering is superior to St. Croix Energy's $20 million in cash upfront. St. Croix Energy attorney Greg Gillardi expressed disappointment in the filing to reopen the auction, noting that St. Croix Energy had done everything by the books and Tuesday was supposed to be the final sale hearing. Notwithstanding West Indies Petroleum Chief's executive's illness, Mr. Gillardi said St. Croix Energy won the auction on November 18th, but the competing bidder waited until the last minute to state its intentions. Also opposing the filing was Bay Limited's attorney, who questioned whether West Indies Petroleum should be allowed in the proceedings as its firm based in a foreign country. The attorney also criticized St. Croix Energy and has stated that the auction was tilted in St. Croix Energy's favor from the outset. Bay Limited, which intends to dismantle the refinery and sell its useful parts, has joined with New York-based Sabin Metal Corporation. The company's combined bid would be up to $39 million, though only a fraction is in upfront cash. The other parties involved, including Arena Capital, the debtor in process, lender along with Goldman Sachs, both with significant investments in Lime Tree Bay Refinery, stand to benefit from the increased offering. The United States Environmental Protection Agency spoke as a neutral party, pointing to West Indies Petroleum's clean break plan that would see it seeking a new agreement with the EPA for restart of the refinery, a process with a 24-month window. The St. Croix Energy Agreement would see its continuing operation under the Lime Tree Bay Operating Agreement while seeking to rectify compliance issues with the EPA. In the end, the judge ordered the reopening, which will include only three parties, St. Croix Energy, West Indies Petroleum, and 
Bay Limited. The auction has been set for December 17th and a sale hearing for December 21st. Because West Indies Petroleum is a foreign-based firm, the U.S. Department of Justice must review the case and may or may not have a decision on its findings before the date is set by the judge. If the U.S. Department of Justice needs more time, the dates will be changed. The figures are yet to be tallied from the voting during the Tobago House of Assembly election. Trinidad and Tobago Newsday reports that the election yesterday was the first in Tobago's history to feature 15 seats. It was also the second election in less than a year after the January 25th poll ended in an unprecedented 6-6 tie between the People National Movement and the Progressive Democratic Patriots. Attempts at Working through the results and electing a Tobago House of Assembly presiding officer were futile as both parties refused to support nominees from the opposite side. Power-sharing negotiations also fizzled out as the People's National Movement and progressive Democratic patriots remained at loggerheads. However, Parliament intervened in March and the Tobago House of Assembly amended act was passed. It was proclaimed in July by President Paula May Weeks, giving the Election and Boundaries Commission the mandate to propose changes to the electoral boundaries from 12 to 15. The Election and Boundaries Commission report was passed in Parliament in September by a simple majority of 21 for and 18 against. Although Chief Secretary Ansel Dennis announced a new election date on October 6, the island has been in election mode for the entire year, as politicians and the public anticipated rematch. According to the report, the deadlock in the Tobago House of Assembly will end when the electorate votes are in. HaitiNews.net reports a religious group based in Ohio announced Monday that the violent gangs in Haiti has released three more hostages while another 12 remain abducted. The statement from Christian Aid Ministries said the people were released on Sunday in Haiti and are safe and seem to be in good spirits. The group provided no further details. On November 21st, the religious organization announced that the 400 Mawuzu gang had released the first two hostages of a group of 17 kidnapped in mid-October. There are 12 adults and five children in the group of 16 U.S. citizens and one Canadian, including an eight-month-old. The leader of the 400 Mawazu gang has threatened to kill the hostages unless his demands are met. Authorities have said that the gang was seeking $1 million per person, although it wasn't immediately clear if that included children in the group. We are thankful to God for three more hostages were released last night, said the statement from the Christian Aid Ministries in Berlin, Ohio. As with the previous release, we are not able to provide the names of the people released, the circumstances of the release, or any other details. The group reiterated its request for supporters to devote Monday through Wednesday as days of prayer and fasting to intercede for those who are still being held as well as those who have been released. 
The release comes amid the ongoing spike in kidnapping in the capital of Port-au-Prince and elsewhere in Haiti, which is struggling to recover from the July 7th presidential assassination, a 7.2 magnitude earthquake that struck in mid-August and several fuel shortages. St. Lucia Time reports that senior representatives from the Federal Bureau of Investigation, Transparency International, and the World Bank will join other leading figures from academia, the private sector, law enforcement, and civil society. A gathering for the Caribbean Development Bank's 2021 Caribbean Conference on Corruption, Compliance, and Cybercrime, 3Cs 2021. The free virtual conference, now in its second year, will be focused this year on the theme, Ending Poverty and Driving Growth, Promoting Good Governance by Curbing Corruption, Money Laundering, and Cybercrime in the Caribbean. The two-day conference begins today, December 7th and 8th, via the Hop-In virtual conferencing platform. The event will include discussions and keynote presentations, bringing thought leaders from across the world to share and discuss new challenges and solutions for corruption, compliance, and cybercrime in the Caribbean. Dr. Toussaint Poise, head of Caribbean Development Bank Office of Integrity, Accountability, and Compliance, which is the coordinator of the conference, said, corruption, money laundering, and cybercrime are challenges that, if left unchecked, can have a devastating effect on the country's development and the region's potential to end poverty and achieve sustainable economic growth. The COVID-19 pandemic in particular has shown us that the perpetrators of these crimes are relentlessly inventive in finding ways to take advantage of crises. It's important for Caribbean Development Bank to provide thought leadership to the Caribbean about how to promote good governance through crises. We must share new bold ideas on how to combat these ills and learn about the ways in which we can sharpen and improve our compliance and oversight functions to keep them at bay. Among the highlights will be a high-level panel on day one of the conference, featuring Governor of the Eastern Caribbean Central Bank, Mr. Timothy Antoine, the World Bank's Director of Governance Global Practice, Mr. Edward Olowu Okiri, and Caribbean Development Bank's General Counsel, Mrs. Diana Wilson-Patrick, on the role of governance in the drive to end poverty and drive growth in the Caribbean. Leaders of two major regional organizations will look at how the private sector can curb corruption, money laundering, and cyber crimes in the closing CEO roundtable on day one, which will see President and CEO of the Republic Financial Holdings Limited, Mr. Nigel Baptiste, Managing Director of Goodard Enterprises, Mr. Anthony Ali, in discussions with the Caribbean Development Bank's Vice President of Operations, Mr. Isaac Solomon. The persistent and growing threat of cybercrime will be in focus with a session focusing specifically on new developments in the area. A panel of regional and international experts, including cybercrime expert and former FBI special agent Jason Menar and Professor Lloyd Waller, will examine topics such as new cybercrime methods and tools being used by perpetrators and ways of combating them. New sessions for 20 
2021 include corruption and climate finance, corruption and COVID-19 financing. The latter will examine ways in which the COVID-19 pandemic have impacted the fight against corruption will also be in the spotlight with a session which delves into new and previously unforeseen challenges which have come with it including bribery, unscrupulous pricing, fake vaccines, and fake personal protective equipment. Last year, over 800 participants attended the inaugural Three Seas 2021, and this year, over a similar number of attendees is expected to participate in the various sessions and discussions during the two-day conference. St. Martin Island Times reports that the third assembly of the Alliance for Development in Democracy to be held in Playa Dorada Friday and Saturday will address migration issues and the promotion of commercial exchange. The meeting headed by the President Laurentino Cortizo of Panama Carlos Alvarez of Costa Rica, Luis Abner of the Dominican Republic, is part of a strategic alliance whose first meeting was held within the framework of the United Nations General Assembly and the second one in Panama City last October. This was revealed by the Administrative Minister of the Presidency, Jose Ignacio Paliza, who explained that this initiative is a consequence of the fact that the three countries live today under the framework of democracy and the strengthening of their institutions with very similar values and interests. For that reason, they seek to strengthen the ties between the nations. The administrative minister said that the participation of President Luis Abner of the Dominican Republic and his counterparts from Panama and Costa Rica had achieved a higher level of visibility of the problem of Haiti, about which Pope Francis and other dignitaries have expressed their concern so that a certain degree of international awareness of the situation affecting that country has already been achieved. Paliza emphasized that essential business groups of the three countries will meet during the meeting, which is one of the novel factors of this third meeting as part of the promotion of the commercial exchange between the three nations. He said that the meeting held in Panama, President Abner proposed that the next meeting be held in Puerto Plata to make known the progress made in this area to the leaders and their delegations. They will visit important places in this province as well. Yahoo News reports that NASA announced on Monday the names and biographies of 10 astronaut candidates, one of them a Puerto Rican, who was selected from more than 12,000 applicants for a career in space. Four of those chosen are women, and the six men chosen include a Puerto Rican, Marcos Berrios, 37. Most come from various military weapons, although there are also three civilians, and all have master's degrees in the field of science, technology, engineering, or mathematics, a requirement that was requested for the first time in this call. 
NASA Administrator, former Florida Democratic Senator Bill Nelson introduced members of the 2021 astronaut cohort, the first in four years, at an event held at the Ellington Field near NASA's Johnson Space Center in Houston, Texas. Astronaut candidates will begin work at the Johnson Space Center in January 2022 to begin two years of training. Astronaut candidates' training is divided into five main categories, operations and maintenance of space station systems, space walk training, development of complex robotic skills, safe operations of a T-38 training jet, and proficiency in the Russian language. Trinidad and Tobago Newsday reports that veteran referee Ayana McLean was presented with the International Hockey Federation Golden Whistle after overseeing her 100th game as an international umpire on Sunday. The 39-year-old Trinidad and Tobago official reached this milestone after presiding over the Dong Hayes Women's Asian Champion Trophy match in Gangwang Province, South Korea. She was then awarded the Golden Whistle by members of the Asian Hockey Federation. A statement by the Asian Hockey Federation on Monday congratulated Ms. McLean on her achievement. We congratulate and acknowledge the work of Ayana McLean, a veteran umpire from Trinidad and Tobago, who umpired her 100th international match today. Ayana McLean earned the International Hockey Federation Golden Whistle on completion of this remarkable milestone, which is an incredible achievement in the sport of hockey. McLean is a former Trinidad and Tobago's women's senior team defender and was selected for the first time to officiate at the 2020 Olympic Games in Tokyo, Japan. Domestically, she played for Ventures Hockey club and captain the under-21 team. In 2004, McLean received a scholarship at Hofstra University in New York, where she also went on to captain the school team. While still playing at Hofstra, McLean became an International Hockey Federation certified umpire. Her first international appointment was at the 2005 Junior Pan American Games in Puerto Rico. She went on to umpire many significant international hockey events and in 2010 was appointed a neutral umpire for the inaugural Youth Olympic Games in Singapore. At the 2013 Pan American Cup, McLean was honored for umpiring her 50th international match. After attaining the International Hockey Federation Grade 1 in 2013, she became the highest-ranked female umpire from the Caribbean and has been so since. Dianguillian reports that in September 2017, the Dolphin Discovery Project at Blowway Point in Anguilla received severe damage by Hurricane Irma. As a result, the owners transferred the dolphins and their operations to St. Kitts. Now, according to Anguilla's Minister of Economic Development, Mr. Kyle Hodge, the project is to be bought back to the island. On the foreign direct investment side, we continue to see an increase of interest in either new projects or the revival of projects that were affected by COVID-19 or Hurricane Irma, he stated. We have the Dolphin Project in cul-de-sac blowing point, Anguilla, that is set to return early next year. The developers of the project should be on island doing initial surveys of the damage caused by Hurricane Irma and what it would take to get the project up 
and running again. Minister Hodge continued, of course, we know that the Dolphins were transferred to St. Kitts Nevis right after Irma. There is still an existing memorandum of understanding for that project, and so the developers are slated to return to Anguilla. The Anguillian reports that the president of Cape Air, Ms. Linda Markham, a small group of ministerial and other government agency officials of Anguilla, members of the media and others gathered at the airport to welcome the inaugural flight of Cape Air from St. Thomas, U.S. Virgin Islands to Anguilla for the 2021-2022 tourism season. Ms. Stacy Liber, Director of Tourism, hosted the welcome ceremony marking the arrival of Cape Air. Mrs. Liebert summarized the advantages of having Cape Air services in Anguilla. She stated the new Cape Air service facilitates access for visitors from Anguilla's traditional source markets, as well as from within the Caribbean region. Cape Air's partnership with major carriers will ensure easier and faster combined flight itineraries and provide more efficient connectivity. The Honorable Minister with Responsibility for Tourism, Mr. Hayden Hughes also welcomed Cape Air back to Anguilla and stressed the importance of its service to Anguilla. He said this opens up the U.S. Virgin Islands, the British Virgin Islands, and Puerto Rico to our people and visitors. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Tuesday, December 7th. I'm Keisha Wallace. For more Caribbean news stories and information, be sure to visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com and follow us on Facebook, now Meta.